Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson himself. Pete, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I've got my top off. I do not mind admitting, uh, because it's very warm Good here on. in Stakhanov Towers. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm just looking out on a, on a rather sunny day. This week in, in, in London's been a little bit strange. It doesn't really know what it's doing. It's, it's sometimes hot, sometimes rainy, but always just a bit damp and smelling a little bit like a dog. <laughs> oh, God. We had the, uh, I think, the highest recorded temperature in history uh, this week in Shizuoka Prefecture, which is kind of in between Tokyo and Nagoya. I think it was 41 or 42 degrees Celsius, which is absurdly hot. Oh, Um, no. Well, there was obviously, obviously in, um, was it Death Valley near Las Vegas? Death Valley, yeah. 53 or 54. I mean, a ridiculous, a ridiculous heat, isn't it? What would that do to my iced coffee? What would it well, do? Well, it, it, it melted like yeah, five I don't seconds. Think, yeah, it would. It, it just wouldn't be around, would it? Incredible, really. It would just melt. Imagine wouldn't be around. transporting butter <laughs> through Death Valley. Great album. <laughs> great album. I hate people to do great album jokes. Great album, but I like it on this occasion because I'm doing it. That's how jokes work. <laughs> should, should do it next time in America. I want to see it happen. Mm. But fortunately, uh, where I am in good old Miyagi Prefecture in Sendai, it's it's pretty cool. It's kind of like five, six degrees cooler. Uh, they do call it the coolest prefecture in Japan. Um, I'm not sure who calls it that. I've just heard like three people from Miyagi call it that. I think they've made it up. <laughs> yeah. But I think because they've got the Pacific kind of winds and the current from the Pacific, it kind of helps cool it down. Right. It's definitely noticeably cooler than where I used to live in um, Yamagata Prefecture. So I'm happy. Well, that is still... Bloody hot, but we've got the gift of aircon. Though I am in a bad mood, Pete, for the okay. weirdest reason. Right. It's so weird. I don't even know if I should talk about it for the sake of my sanity. Um, I, uh, I, I have dreams, weird dreams, the weirdest <laughs> dreams. And this morning I woke in a bad temper because I had a dream for some reason where I had bought an orange Ferrari, no less. Uh, I don't know why. I don't really know how. Mm. Don't remember that part of the dream. But what I do remember is I was trying to sell my orange Ferrari. I went to a car dealership 
And in my dream, in this imaginary weird scenario, the car dealer was kind of the middleman. Mm. And you, you kind of sit around at the dealership while they try and sell your car to like potential customers. And this Japanese woman came in and she was very interested in the Ferrari. And uh, she, um, we came to a price. I sort of said, look, I want to get rid of the Ferrari. I've got to buy some things. I need the money quick. I want to sell it for 700,000 yen, which is about $7,000. A steal, by all accounts, for mm. an orange, bright orange Ferrari. Uh, but she just would not buy it, no matter how much I tried. At these, like this incredible knockdown price for a Ferrari. I don't even know what model of Ferrari it was. It was just a Ferrari, uh, which is usually like $200,000. Mm. But she just wouldn't buy it. And we finally negotiated a deal for 500,000 yen, $5,000. And when it came to signing the paper, she said, oh, I thought it was, was 400,000 yen, $4,000 we agreed on. And I said, <laughs> no, it's 500,000. And she went, I'm not buying it then. And she walked off and then I woke up and I was furious yeah. about this fucking Ferrari that I hadn't sold in my dream. What a weird start to my day. And it's all been downhill since. It's a weird Awful. start to your day. And also, um, it's such a little little tramp for an, an orange Ferrari. <laughs> Pathetic. <laughs> I wouldn't even get one. Little, what what little does that in, tell you? Your little in, influencer dreams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's what it's all been building to. Yeah. Seven years of hard work. Ferrari. Eight years of hard work. I just want a Ferrari. Ferrari. I want to live in a house with the other influencers in Brighton. <laughs> I want to live in a big, <laughs> a big six-bedroom apartment and do shitty videos with my little friends. Pathetic. <laughs> Don't bully me for being an influencer. Oh, I want, I want a little fridge want. with some ice cold Red Bull in it, with some energy drinks, some monster energy drinks in my little fridge. Oh, it's gonna, it's gonna be utterly tasteless. It's gonna look absolutely I, awful. But I'm gonna have a, a twenty grand gaming PC in a room with a fucking with a blanket on the floor, and that's my bed because I'm a teenager. But I've been given a million pound house inexplicably. That's a lot of pent up <laughs> frustration there finally coming to surface. What I like, you're definitely jealous because I yeah. know you can't even drive, Pete. I even know. If you did have an orange Ferrari, would it my be, imaginary Ferrari. Would it couldn't be, drive um, it anyway. Are most Ferraris uh, manual or automatic? Because I've got a real problem. People sort of go, I go, look, when I start to learn to drive, I've had a few lessons in a manual, and the main problem was the effing clutch. There's no need in 2020. For, for cars to have manual clutches, manual gears, there's there's just no reason. So um and 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 so I always think that um the more premium the car, the more chance it is to have a, a, a non manual gearbox. Unless you're an absolute pervert, maybe maybe that's untrue. I don't know, but I just fantasize about the Ferrari doing all the work for me. By the time I learn to drive, Chris. The cars are going to be autonomous anyway, so I'll, they'll just get on with it. There won't be any Ferraris. <laughs> yeah, there won't be any Ferraris. Yeah. No, I mean, my first car in Japan was a manual, the old Toyota mm. Starlet, which you didn't see, unfortunately. That was a rickety piece of crap. But I love driving it. And uh, I sold it to my friend Yuki, um, Tiny Beer Yuki, yeah. uh, for, uh, I think, a token sum of 100 yen. And he did it up. I didn't talk about that. In the driving video, I talked about how I got the Toyota Starlet and I loved it. But the windows didn't work and the aircon was rubbish. But Yuki, who is quite well off mm. and could probably afford a Ferrari by all accounts, he got the Toyota Starlet for 100 yen off me. And he must have spent like a few grand doing it up. He fixed the aircon. He fixed the windows. It was actually usable. And he <laughs> loved it. It was his kind of fun car, he called oh, it. Oh, nice. Because uh, of the manual. So yeah. there's a place for manual transmission even though 90 percent i think of cars sold in japan 
are in fact automatic these days. People Good. just like the convenience, right? Good. There you go. But uh, I, I don't know what to what to make of my dreams. Really, mm. they're all very weird. Well, you're, you're very you're odd. a man just trying to shift a, 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 a ridiculous expensive spot, spot car for less than he actually paid for it. There's, there's got to be. There's some psychologists listening. We'll probably be able to give you a bit more information on that or dream dream analyzers. I, I think. In a weird way, it kind of links into another thought I had. Before I came to Japan, right, I sold my worldly possessions. Mm. I sold all my stuff, all my possessions, computer, my little car, a Vauxhall Vectra, and uh, all my DVDs. It all went. And I sold most of that stuff at a, uh, a boot fair, car boot sale. Yeah. Um, what would you call that in America? yard speak? sale. It's a yard sale. But what I like yard about but, but they don't generally garage, do them. Garage gen- sale. Garage sale. They, they don't generally um, do them out, out the back of the cars, I don't think. But what I like about that is you did the car boot, because here in England we, we sell everything out of a car boot effectively. Um, and we then, do. And then we you do. put it back up and go home. But what I like about that, your story is you uh, sold all of your worldly possessions and the car boot itself. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> for sale. Sold my car boot. Everyone's got a Everyone price. went that day. <laughs> but at this uh, this car boot sale, all my worldly possessions, to create a fund that I could use to live in Japan, yeah. I had a collection of DVDs, right? About 120 DVDs. It was one thing I collected. Even though a lot of the DVDs were rubbish, I had a collection of DVDs nonetheless. It was cool at the time. Uh, and I priced them, I think, like two or three pounds per DVD. Yeah. But people wouldn't buy them. People were coming up, and I was saying, you know, three three pounds for Die Hard or you know something, and they'd mm. be like, no, I'll pay a pound. And I was like, come on, this is at least a three pound purchase, Die Hard Revengeance. <laughs> and they wouldn't, they just wouldn't buy it. So I, no. they, I let them have it for a pound. And I think that memory of selling all my possessions before coming to Japan, mixed with my clear influence of dreams of getting a Ferrari, created this image, this created this dream, and that is how it came about. And if you are listening and you're a dream analysis expert, I would like to find out what the hell's going on in my head. Because mm. I haven't got the faintest idea. Haggling's such a pain. In, haggling's so rubbish, isn't it? I like, it, it all right, it it, at, at a car boat, that's part of the game. But anywhere else in your life, it's just like, just give me a fair price and I'll pay the fair price. I can't be arsed for haggling. Um, although I did, get, um, I did get £20 off my... £15 a month off my BT business line. Uh, this month by uh, going, come on, this is a ridiculous amount of money. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you knock on. off a? Come on, you're, you're being silly now. This is I am I've I'm, 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 I've moved house and I am in a situation where I used to pay two hundred fifty pounds uh, every month plus VAT to make it three hundred pounds every month for a fifteen megabit broadband line. That's fifteen megabits down and fifteen megabits up in the centre of town. Now I thought, well, look. There's no home broadband in town, in the centre of town, so that's just something I have to deal with. That's just something that I have to sort of go, look, that's the expense of living in town. Um, you don't pay quite as much on the tube. You don't pay quite as much on, on transport. So you have to pay 300 quid mm. a month for a decent, reliable um, broadband line. So I had this uh, six or seven copper lines coming into my house. I move house out of the sticks, and, and, and now I'm in a situation where I'm on like a, 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 a broadband supplier. Now... This is home broadband, and I've been used to business broadband, which is A, reliable, B, never falls over, C, uh, the upload speed is as fast as the download speed. And the package that I have got from an unnamed broadband supplier, it's not important who it is because they're all pretty much the same in, in the area, is poor. Like, just 
a little bit too poor for the £22 a month I'm paying. So I'm keeping my BT line and it's going to cost me even effing more. 380 quid per month for a 100 megabit line. It's a good line, but it's 380 quid a month. It's, It's an obscene amount of money, but I've gotten used to the finer things in life, which is a 15 megabit line up and down. Uh, which I'm fairly certain is about what 5G can give us or 4G can give us. Um, I, I, I hate to get technical, but that is just an obscene amount of money. Uh, we're, not, we're not very well infrastructured here in London. We're just not. Should have told them you were half of the Abroad in Japan podcast, Pete. Yeah, I need a smashing I discount. Yeah, I need, look, I can't, I can't be doing with latency, guys. It's very important that the Abroad in Japan podcast gives me the lowest pings or the highest pings. No, the lowest pings and the lowest latency. Very true. <laughs> and I hope it don't was do worth a it. gap. Hope don't do a big it. gap. So it sounds like I have money, it wasn't money well spent. Like you're doing a big gap and then going. Very true. Yes, yes. I, I'm enjoying the lack of latency on the line. Very true. <laughs> oh, the difficulties. Mm. The difficulties of being a podcaster and influencer. Weird yeah. dreams and broadband connections. What a yeah. nightmare. Um, still, it could be worse. It could be worse, like the story from Drea from Chicago. Uh, here we got uh, a really interesting story to kick off today's podcast. And I'll read it out. Basically, something happened involving one of the podcast playing while at their workplace. And it says, hi, Chris mm. and Pete, a funny story for you. Every Friday evening, I teach a restorative yoga class. If you've never been, restorative yoga is a lot of lying around in gently stretchy positions for up to five minute, five minutes at a time. Sounds quite nice, actually. I could probably mm. do with that. My main responsibilities as an instructor are to provide a space with dim lighting and soothing music, guide my students safely into the poses, and then let them drift off into la-la land. This past Friday, I arrived early, turned on the electric candles, connected my phone to the Bluetooth speaker system, and chose one of my yoga music albums from Spotify. I then headed back up to the front to check in uh, on my students once they arrived. Both of my students arrived early to lie on their mats and get a bit of extra chill time before class as per usual. And when it came uh, time for class to start, I headed back to the studio. And just before reaching the door, I happened to glance at my phone. I discovered that Spotify was not, in fact, playing the soothing music, but was instead playing uh, a broadcasting one of your podcasts through the studio speakers. As if that wasn't bad enough, I saw to my horror that it was none other than the pornographic clickbait episode. Oh, <laughs> I don't now, remember what we, was yeah, in that episode. We were looking at this email before we started, and we couldn't remember calling any of the um, any of the shows pornographic clickbait. Turns out, we most certainly did. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it was about, though. Um, I remembered too late because I've been binging on your podcast. I had made a queue comprised entirely of previous episodes the day before. After the first song on the Yoga album had ended, my queue kicked in it skipped your podcast and it had been playing the entire time my students have been lying there i quickly changed back to the chosen album and laughed nervously as i entered the room apologizing for the technical error i was rattled for the entire class i'm not sure what they heard and i refused to go back and listen to find out but seeing as how neither of the ladies came to the front to make me aware of the situation i can only conclude they were either a paralyzed by their embarrassment or b lying in the semi-darkness being so thoroughly entertained by the podcast that they didn't want it to end i like to think it was the latter and you'll soon have two new listeners thanks to my blunder i'll never know i was too mortified to ask many thanks guys drea from chicago i love the image 
of two people trying to do some restorative yoga. It's this relaxing, ethereal music. And then your voice comes on. And then I come on. And it just ruins everything. Stretch, uh, stretch out your legs. Now, roll onto your back. Now, have you ever been to Akihabara and done the go-karts? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Poor Dre oh, from Chicago. Like, like Friday chill-out yoga. At the end of a really heavy week of stress and strains, uh, women and men just wanting to just just relax and enter the weekend with a with a, with, a, with a clear frame of mind and you know to, and, 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 and and you know to, to give yourself that kind of breathing space to to kind of uh, relax uh, for the weekend so you can appreciate <laughs> the time off you've got. Hello, <laughs> I'm a dickhead from London. Hello, I'm a dickhead who lives in Tokyo. <laughs> 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 You've deconstructed mm. not only the podcast, but both our personalities so brilliantly and swiftly. Poor Drea. I'm hurt. Mm. I'm hurt. But well done, Drea. Yeah. And, uh, well done. Be sure to make that mistake again. Yeah. Get some more, some us. more free advertising. Review us on iTunes, please. Five stars. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot forward slash Japan.
Jack Mates Happy Hour is back for a brand new season. It's the podcast where we talk to some of the most exciting people in the world, from Ricky Gervais. In some ways, fame makes you a better person. You know, it's like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's watching me. But I, I know someone with Everyone else is. <laughs> <laughs> to undercover police officers. Can you see the fading scar there, gentlemen? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I, yeah. That's where I was stabbed in the neck by a drug dealer once. Or... We just talk about whatever's making us laugh right now. When you think back to school kids' banter, like, it's well funny because of how immature it is. We had this teacher called Mr McGibbon, and he had this big cushion that he was teaching us how to rugby tackle on. He just ran up to it, rugby tackled it, but landed on top of it, and one of the kids shouted, It's not your wife, sir. (laughs) (laughs) That is funny. (laughs) Listen to Jack Mates Happy Hour on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Jack Mate's Happy Hour is a Stakhanov production. Now, this week, there was a grisly discovery in Japan's kitchen. Do you know where Japan's kitchen is, Pete? Do you remember? Is it in the pantry? Is it in in the belfry? Uh, I believe it's uh, Osaka, uh, because that's where a life is. Correct, yes. Yes. Osaka is known as Japan's kitchen. Um, I'm not really sure why, because as far as I could tell, there's only two or three dishes there that are unique, including takoyaki and okinomiyaki. Either way, <laughs> there was a lot of bloody good food. But it was a rather grisly discovery. Uh, it involved the bones of five, five, 1,500 people wow. found at Osaka Station near a construction site. Um, so Osaka has a very big station um, in the Umeda area. Apparently, it used to be a huge burial site, and lots of people buried there. And I think while they were clearing the area for some new development, uh, which probably Osaka doesn't need. Osaka's been so damn heavily developed. It's like a, one big concrete jungle. Um, they're pulling up the ground and they just found huge grave with loads of bodies. And you can look at the photos. It just looks rather, looks rather grim, actually, because you've got these huge skyscrapers, huge built-up skyline, and then just this pit, mm. this big, huge pit filled with bones. Um, it looks rather sinister and <laughs> shady. But uh, yeah, apparently, yeah, that part of Osaka was a place where people got buried and uh, a rather <laughs> rather big burial site. Well, it looks, um, it looks like it kind of, um, the, the deaths, the, 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 the corpses, the bodies could be as young as um, 1912, apparently the first 20 years of the Meiji period. Oh, God. Uh, the cemetery was still in active use. So it's, just, so it's not, um, it, it looks like quite old. I mean, I mean, mass burials, it, it, it's very, you know, we obviously, London, you can't, you can't, um, dig anywhere without finding a mass grave simply because so many people died during the plague but um, plague pits all around London um, whenever there's a, a a larger engineering project than just putting in a new doorway in the London underground um, they usually just find more more and more bones because obviously it's uh, it's where all of the all of the plague pits were but they, they, they seem mm. to be pretty well mapped now and obviously with mm. x-ray technology but if you're not looking for it and you just come across just end, oh there's a bone oh there's a bone there's a, a lot of famous in here What's going on here? And yeah, and uh, imagine how I, mean, I know, I know builders and, and kind of like excavators must see this sort of thing all the time. But mm. nothing can prepare you for that that scale of uh, of human burial. Incredible, very interesting. I think it's not not the first time either. Back in mm. 2017, I think they um, uncovered uh, the remains of 200 people. Uh, also, not too far from there, lots of burial sites in Osaka. It seems. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure why. Probably because it was a huge historically, it was a massive city. Mm. Um, I remember reading the uh, the story of uh, William Adams 
sailor, sorry, Samurai William, the British dude who came to Japan in the I think early 1600s and became a samurai. And in the book that I read about him, apparently a lot of uh, foreign travellers who passed through Osaka were absolutely in awe of the city in the 1600s because it was so well developed and like yeah. these really sophisticated sewage systems and the streets are very clean and pristine compared to Europe, which was one big cesspit. So it's, Osaka, 400 years ago, is supposed to be quite a nice place, apart from the constant battles that went down around Osaka Castle, of course. Yeah, um, I can't. I'd love to go back and see what it looked like. Like old Japan from the kind of the Edo era and the kind of 400 years ago, it looked beautiful, but unfortunately, because it all got burnt down, bombed, or removed or collapsed, mm. there isn't that many old kind of towns around these days. Uh, bits and pieces of Kyoto for sure, and Kanazawa, um, and there's quite a nice place in Takayama in Gifu Prefecture. Where you can see kind of a pres- quite a well-preserved town, but it's a shame. It's a real shame that mm. uh, that kind of history has been lost. Well, the, 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 I mean, and it's now being think... re- rediscovered under the ground. Well, I think, and then and then <laughs> developed on. I think the um, I, I think the, <laughs> the, the the Japanese have historically um, in the last certainly thirty years been quite. Um, Quite sort of not cut well cutthroat about their 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 previous sort of generations sort of stuff like I, I think there's through Shibuya there's like this river that they just filled in because <laughs> they just they just built on it I think Tokyo Hands runs uh, above a river mm. uh, they just went oh fuck it let's just uh, you know this is the centre of town now let's get rid of this river it's a waste of space let's build a shopping centre on it <laughs> well there's a really good book actually it came out about ten years ago called I think Dogs and Demons of Japan and mm. it's kind of like they talk about the some of the sad aspects of Japan, like the construction boom that happened in the 1960s and onwards. Yeah. And Tokyo, as you say, it was actually like a Venice. They called it, I mm. think, a few hundred years ago, they called it like the Venice of the East because it was just so many rivers. And yeah. you can kind of see them and find them as you walk around Tokyo, but most of them have been concreted over. And when the Olympics came up in um, 1964, in the, in the 1960s, I think, and um, uh, they quickly built up Tokyo and concreted over a lot of the scenery, a lot of the landscape, a lot of the mm. rivers, and Tokyo lost a lot of its history as a result. Um, so I'm not surprised by that, and it's a real shame. Um, but this book is fascinating. I think Dogs and Demons of Japan, um, talking about how um, the government works with construction companies and um, it's kind of changed the face of Japan in uh, for the worse in many ways. And like mm. I think like 50 or 60 percent uh, or more of Japan's entire coastline has been concreted. Uh, which is completely believable for me because I've seen most of, a lot a huge chunk of Japan's coastline. It's just concrete everywhere, yeah. um, even on the west coast where there's not that many things like tsunamis. Um, just because they wanted to keep employment rates up, so they the government just gave loads of money to infrastructure right. projects to try and keep employment rates up. But unfortunately, the end result was they terraformed a lot of the country and a lot of the countryside. Uh, in ways that they didn't need to, but a really I interesting lot, book. Really I think a lot of, um, I think, I think a lot of. Um, I mean, you look, you look to the east, and 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 great engineering projects have historically always been one of those things that have kept politicians in power. So I think any polit- local politician who's sort of going right, we're we're going to basically cement the fuck out mm. of the coastline. It's it's a it's a big two thumbs up because it looks like you're doing something, and like and like you t- you know we that's we, right. We, yeah. we, we were talking. Um, I don't know what we talked about last week, but 
Certainly, the, the Great Spectre uh, in in China, in in, in near uh, Wuhan, um, is the is the I think it's the Three Gorges Dam. Um, obviously, this 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 massive engineering mm-hmm. uh, construction project a, a little while ago um, that was apparently supposed to uh, apparently it, apparently it's so big it affects the turning of the entire world because it is so large and obviously it keeps what? Um, a, a body of water it, obviously to a very small amount but it keeps a body of water away from another body of water so it's, it's kind of obviously controlling that and I'm fairly certain it slow, either slows or speeds up the earth and um, and it's and if it fails it will it will kill millions of people in Wuhan uh, the plucky lucky Wuhan again um, and uh, and, sure. uh, and and also it will it will actually shift tectonic plates because it's it's that bigger an hell. engineering project but but obviously um this sort of style of engineering projects has always been historically very important to to Chinese leaders. You you, you see these kind of like big uh, kind of mm. engineering projects, and, and and it keeps people in power. Um, but the the sad thing about this this particular dam is it was graded for like a thousand years. They're sort of saying this is going to be here for a thousand years. They've downgraded it to a uh, hundred years uh, because it looks like it could break at it's any minute. Drunk. And uh, well, the, the rains this this year have obviously been incredibly excessive. Japan's had its own taste of it as well. Um, and uh, this dam, if you get the same level of uh, of rains next. Yeah, um, it's 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 probably going to break, and it's probably going to displace or, or or possibly kill a lot of people in uh, in Wuhan, and um, and obviously uh, instead of um, you know uh, taking this threat seriously and 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 and, uh, and acting accordingly, and maybe dialing down the amount of power that uh, that dam uh, creates, uh, the Chinese government are doing what they usually do. Just shutting everyone up about it, you know, uh, blocking people talking about the Three Gorges mm. Dam and, and stuff like that. So, so there is a situation where you, um, you where these kind of engineering works are, are so important and so necessary to to politics on on a, on a national scale, but also, uh, you know, you look at Boris Johnson uh, during his tenure as London Mayor. You know, he's talking about new bridges mm. like garden bridges and and um, his adoption of the Ken Livingston uh, bike. Uh, became the Boris bike. The, these sort of things um, do stick around. The Boris, the the, the buses that uh, Boris, uh, the new route masters that Boris brought in. Um, these things really uh, cement your legacy as a they're politician. Visual, aren't they? Yeah, they're very visual. Very. Well, they're very visual. Visceral. <laughs> so Indeed. yeah, it's interesting. I, I mean, but I mean, the Japanese countryside is crisscross with highways mm. that have been half built. I remember driving down a. a a very small countryside road in my first few months arriving here. Yeah. And the countryside road suddenly turned into like a two lane, like highway. And then it just ended about one minute later in a right. forest. And there was absolutely no need for this highway. Uh, it was just there <laughs> to transport people to nowhere. Um, but it's really common. And the, one of the main reasons is the Japanese government, I think for what I understand gives out huge amounts of money. And if the local authorities the local area don't spend their budget they get a smaller budget next year Mm. so they're kind of incentivized to spend all the money they get and they don't know how to spend it so they spend it on giant roads and highways or Mm. dams and uh kind of blocking over the sea and 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 also and also chris let's not forget the moody little four-fingered hand of organized crime in japan (laughs) a lot of that floating about a lot of that but I recommend the book, even to EP. I think you'd like it. Dogs even and Demons, Tales from the Dark rude. Side of Japan by Alex Kerr. He said it's got no like pictures it. in it. It's a really good book. <laughs> it's got no pictures. There's no oh, pictures of dams it. or the Three Gorges, Three Gorges Dam. Hopefully you'll still enjoy a ruddy good read of it. Mm. And in slightly more happy news, uh, I think last week we talked about 
the fantastic video from Komazawa Isolation, a YouTube channel. Uh, they mimicked a Japanese Yakuza game, mm. the, the Yakuza game series, and GTA in Shibuya. Um, the guy running the channel kind of walked around Shibuya in the style of like a video game character, and they filmed it in such a way. It's so well done. But this week they released part two, uh, continuing the epic tale as they walk around Shibuya, having awkward interactions with lockers and people and fights. Uh, have you seen it at all, Pete? I have. So, I, I, I've not. I've not seen the follow up yet, but I'll have to um, fill my hungry eyes with it when we um, uh, finish. What's he up to? What's he up to this time, Chris? Not a whole lot. <laughs> it's quite, <laughs> just walking around Shibuya, right. um, he, he kind of walks up to a guy who's sitting next to some lockers and just ask him if they need to just go on some sort of quest. They go up to a locker, they open the locker, they go to Yoshinoya. Sorry, not Yoshinoya, Matsuya. Matsuya, the um, the Gyudon restaurant, and he orders some. Gudon to repair his health before having some sort of quick fight in the street. It's pretty cool. I have to say it's one of the best done kind of GTA recreations I've ever seen. So check it out. Komazawa Isolation, which is a tongue twister. And I would urge you to just type in Japanese video game Shibuya into Google and it'll come up. Have a peek. Check it out. It's, It's amazingly done. And with that, we turn our attention to the fax machine this week. What do we got this week inside the fax machine, Mr. Dawson? Um, we've got an email from Balazis. Hello, Balazis. Um, hi, Pete and Chris. Chris, I'm interested in your experience with light pollution in Japan. Since you lived in the countryside for years and cycled across the country as well, I hope you can shed light on this topic. How bad is it over there? Obviously, all the streetlights in big cities will totally obscure the night sky. London is abysmal in this regard, so don't expect Tokyo or Sendai to be any different. But how about the more rural areas? One of my life goals is making a backpacking hike across the country. And I'd love to know what to expect in terms of stargazing far from population centers thank you and do keep up the great work guys balasses balasses <laughs> i think if you go to tokyo or kind of east japan like sendai mm. nagoya kyoto osaka you are gonna have trouble seeing the sky i can see it a little bit some days but not that well however on the west coast of japan there's not that many big major cities and that is your best bet to see the night sky uh, or or from central japan when you're surrounded mm. by mountains, but uh, certainly anywhere near the Tokyo area is quite tricky, which is unsurprising given there's 36 million people and a heck of a lot of lights in the area. Have you ever seen the stars from Japan, Pete? No, I don't ever have. Maybe the what? Maybe that hotel that we stayed in in the bum bum end of nowhere um, in sort of Sendai. About half an hour from Sendai, I think. Oh, Ishinomaki? Uh, yeah, Ishinomaki. Uh, I think I may have seen some stars there. And obviously we went out um, quite early in the morning to go fishing as well. I think I, saw, I, think I spied some stars late in the night uh, there, just before dawn. <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely. I think, yeah, I think if, you, um, if you're outside the major cities, it's, it's right. You can see some stars, but it's never going to be anywhere as near, near as good as like a desert or anywhere like that. Um, yeah. But give it a whirl. Let us know. Uh, Kelby from Colorado says, Hi, Pete and Chris. I have a fun story from my first trip to Japan, which was January of this year. Me and my two friends uh, who went with me were walking down a street near the Shinjuku Metropolitan Government Building, which has fantastic views, by the way. Mm. And we saw a man flailing his arms around underneath a bridge. The funny thing was that whenever he did this, the wind would blow. And when when he stopped (laughs) spinning his arms around, the wind would stop. We stopped to watch for enough time to establish that this man indeed was making the wind. I don't know what kind of Japanese magic this man possessed, but it's 
<laughs> but it certainly made us reconsider everything <laughs> we knew about the weather. Maybe yeah. you guys could tell me more about this wacky phenomenon. Kelby from Colorado, USA. P.S. I've attached some photos of me enjoying Coolish. Thanks, Pete. And there is a photo of Kelby enjoying some Coolish. And perhaps Kelby had too much Coolish because I have no explanation for no. this wind making man in, in Shinjuku. Any theories, Pete? You're well I mean, placed. I would argue he's I'm probably sure. he's probably reacting to the wind rather than uh, I, I would I would say that he's probably one of, he's, he's more of a wind turbine than a god. Uh, he's probably reacted to it. He's probably sort of pretending he's the he's the god of wind, but he's he's not. He's a man under a bridge. Um, but I would like to congratulate Kelby uh, from Colorado, USA. Clearly, a man who lives in Colorado because he's a man who's outdoors. Um, it seems quite chilly. Uh, he's got several layers on, and uh, I think gloves as well. Uh, and yet, he's still enjoying an iced treat, and it's vanilla flavor, uh, which is the <laughs> only flavor. You can, yeah, you, there's and it's vanilla flavor as well, which is the only flavor you seem to find when uh, when when it's uh, during the winter months. They do push the boat out when it comes to uh, summertime. So uh, yeah, well done, Kelvin. That's great stuff. <laughs> Taking it to the next level, mm. and indeed, if you ever see a guy waving his arms around, controlling the wind, ladies and gentlemen, please let us know. Mm. I would like to hear. Some more on that. Although a lot of people do exercise. I find people over 50 in Japan do a lot of arm swinging when they're like doing running or exercise around yeah. about outdoors. So that could be it. As to the controlling of the wind, well, I'm not quite sure. I can only speculate. <laughs> uh, uh, we've got one from Edward. Edward Fitch. Mm. Over to you, Pete. Hello, Edward. Um, hi, Chris and Pete. Thanks for making the podcast twice a week now. Love it. I also loved, I love all the videos. The recent video about driving in Japan, the aerial shots were breathtaking. So excellent work, guys, as usual. Yes, thank you. I worked very hard on that, uh, on that, uh, <laughs> the driving in Japan video. <laughs> um, anyway, I stopped off at a cafe this afternoon in Charlton Park in London, which is run by a Japanese mother and daughter. I was very excited to use my pigeon Japanese. I found out they are from Chiba. And as a long-time viewer, I checked the Abroad Japan website for videos. Alas, to my dismay, uh, it appears you have only been here once and that was to watch the first video I ever watched of yours visiting Japan five reasons why it will be awesome so I was wondering if you ever have any fa- plans to wait film in this area as it is far more interesting to watch your videos than just googling away keep up the amazing work and I look forward to your next releases um, said from my iPhone regards Edward Fitch ooh Edward's got an iPhone um, Chris I've only I, I always planned to go to Chiba because uh, that is where the Tokyo Game Show uh, takes place but um, I've, I, I never oh, yeah. in, on, in my many trips to Japan I've either just slept in or just I've I've got press tickets to it and I never actually attended it. So apologies to the organisers of Tokyo Game Show. I don't know what the hell would be going on there because I've I've never been. I uh, I think there's a place. You know what? Chiba is kind of seen as a a dead end area. There's nothing for a lot of it. It's just a big mm. flat plain, only known for Narita Airport, and that's not. Something to get particularly excited about. Mm. Uh, I there is one place I'm quite interested in called uh, Jigoku Nozoki, literally uh, the peak into hell, which sounds Sweet. rather ominous. Wow. And it's a kind of a, a cliff top with a very dangerous looking edge that dangles out. But they've got lots of um, they've got like a really cool Buddhist temple there. And if you've ever seen the Top Gear episode where uh, James May and Richard Hammond race Jeremy Clarkson across Japan from um, from Kanazawa over the Alps and into Tokyo and into Chiba, they end it there. Um, and it's it's kind of really cool. Like a nice mountain, cool temple, but the cliff just looks incredible. So check that out. Uh, it's called Jigoku Nozoki, uh, Nozoko, sorry, Nozoki uh, in Chiba. And mm. that is the only thing 
that I can that I can think of or that I know that's probably worth checking out. Oh, on Disneyland, Disneyland, <laughs> Disneyland, yeah, yeah. and Disneyland. I um, I've just been looking up uh, the Tokyo Game Show 2020. Uh, it's just say online, so maybe it's not going to be uh, a in person uh, in person experience. But uh, yeah, that's usually in usually in uh, Chiba. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the theme this year is the future touches gaming first. <laughs> oh. I like that a lot. That's very, that's, very, that's, that's very fun, very fun. Um, so yeah, I, I, one day I will get to the Tokyo Game Show. One day Chris will go to the Tokyo Game Show and have a bit of fun. I would love to go. I mm. nearly went. I turned it off down to go there once, and I regret that. So we'll go yep. next year. Next year. We'll Let's do it. Let's do it. And then we'll go to the gates of hell, whatever it's called, <laughs> the, the peak, peak into hell, and uh, we'll go to Disneyland. It'll be the perfect trip to cheaper. Beautiful. Uh, keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back in the next few days to do it all over again uh, on Wednesday. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, many thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Take care and have a good one. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.